Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you a powerful online platform to make your next big move known to the world. With Squarespace, you can easily create a website by yourself using user-friendly templates and customizable features. Simply add and arrange your content with just a few clicks. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, Use the offer code HUSTLEPRO10 to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair is a woman who I admire, not just for being a businesswoman who has had a major impact in the world, but as someone who has managed to prioritize her self-care in the process. Her name is Latham Thomas, and she's a celebrity wellness and lifestyle maven and birth doula, transforming not only how women give birth to their babies, but how they give rise to the best version of themselves. She's the founder of Mama Glow, a lifestyle brand and highly regarded website offering inspiration, education, and holistic services for expected and new mamas. She's been named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, an enlightened group of leaders elevating humanity with their work. Latham is also the best-selling author of Mama Glow, a hip guide to your fabulous, abundant pregnancy. And her highly anticipated second book was just released this week. It's called Own Your Glow, a soulful guide to luminous living and crowning the queen within. Having cultivated her wellness practice over nearly a decade now, she has served as a doula and lifestyle guru for celebrity clients, including Alicia Keys, Tamara Maori, DJ Khaled, Venus and Serena Williams, and much more. Latham is leading a revolution in radical self-care, teaching women everywhere to mother themselves first. I had a really good time chatting with Latham, so let's get right into our conversation. Welcome to the guest here, Latham. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Now, you are someone who I have followed on social media and, you know, your journey is such an interesting one. I am always like, how did she become who she is? So talk to us about your personal journey and your path to Mama Glow. Sure. Well, I started when I was pregnant with my son, who's now 14, just started his first week of high school. And um, if you can think back to about 15 years ago, right? The internet was not what it is now. Uh, We did not have um, smartphones. And there was also a relic called a telephone book, which my son (laughs) doesn't even know about. His generation has never seen one. But that is where I went to get the information to find an OBGYN when I was pregnant. And so I looked in the phone book and I found someone, made a phone call, quickly found out that um, it wasn't as easy as you would think to call for an OBGYN and find out that they were booked like months in advance. They gave me a date for May of 2003 and it was already October of 2002. So this is like months that they expected me to wait for prenatal care. 
So I was like, this is really weird. Like the most important time in a woman's life where you need the most handholding, it's the most difficult to navigate. Why? So a kind of light bulb went off about, you know, helping this process become more streamlined and also more, um, I, don't, I guess like a sense of handholding and empowerment in the process versus a sense of helplessness and lack of um, information. I wanted to bring a level of, um, of experience to the birth space that just was lacking. And so through my experience, I started to develop what will become the rudiments of Mama Glow in terms of our practices embedding practitioners, product services, our work in, you know, pre and postnatal service and doula or nutrition, yoga, all of that was kind of um, just starting to brew right within me. And I was using all of the things that we offer at Mama Glow as a practice or as part of my practice and, you know, of my own personal lifestyle practice. And I started to see that these were the things that I found to be most useful during my pregnancy. So Fast forward, I had a baby and while my baby was sleeping is when I would kind of like do my dreaming. You know, I would take that time to journal and to plan and write things and structure and flowchart and ask questions and seek more mentorship and things of this nature to help me um, create what will become the early framework of the business, right? And all the ideas that I knew that I had to bring to the table, I wrote everything down, I categorized things, and I started to see that there was a way for me to um, create a business and to also serve. I saw a real important need to serve, and that was really my mission was of service first, right? So from there, I really believe that you know, God opened these doors of opportunity for me to be able to work with so many women and families as a result of me committing to myself and committing to the work and the purpose. And I think that so many people along the journey get caught up in, you know, doing something that they're good at versus something that they really feel called to do or something that they really feel like when they wake up, it's like the first thing on their mind. You know what I mean? The other stuff, it's like, oh my God, I got to go do this job. And then, you know, they end up so focused on the day to day that they never take time to really cultivate, you know, like you're saying, like the side hustle. And for me, it was really like, you know, I was only like a year and change out of college when I got pregnant and then I had the baby. And so it was like, I was young, you know, and I also, you know, my early twenties, it was like, for me, I never, when I finished school, never thought that I would work for someone. So I always contracted. I always was like in the entrepreneurial head frame. And what were you contracting as? Well, my degree was in visual arts and environmental science from Columbia University. So I actually went right into working in the public school system in in a partnership that was developed with the Audubon Center and the Brooklyn Center for the Urban Environment. And I taught um, early child education through sciences. So I was teaching like life sciences and stuff that I love to do that I knew, you know, like, like by the back of my hand from school, you know, so I was kind of thinking that I would be more in that realm. 
Um, but having grown up in California and been exposed to you know, life sciences and botany and plant systems and things like that at an early age, I always had an interest in science, but I always also, also had an interest in the female body. And because my mom was pregnant with my sister when I was four and my great aunt and another aunt were also pregnant at the same time, I was surrounded by bellies that were like basically at the height of my <laughs> visibility. It's like you're only about the height of someone's belly when you're four. So I would always see these bellies in my face and I'm like, okay, like what's this about? And I would just watch them and marvel. And my cousin and I would like stuff little cabbage patch dolls under our, dre- under our <laughs> dresses and deliver each other's babies. And so like that was also influential. So all these things like came back when I got pregnant, right? It's like these experiences that shaped me at an early age came back, but also my love for science came through and all these things. And so the natural progression for me from being in that space that I was in of, of contracting was to solve a problem, you know, in this respect, because I saw one and actually work towards creating something that was what I wanted to experience. And it wasn't available when I was, you know, in New York. I mean, there was you know, definitely people doing work in the prenatal space, but not like how we do it. And, and so I think that what's important for people to think about is like, you know, you might be saying, okay, I want to launch like a cupcake company or whatever it is. And yes, there's going to be like thousands, but nobody can do it. Like you're going to do it and nobody's going to have the effect and the finesse and everything that you do. So I just, you know, had the blessing of not having the internet at the time. And I would say in in one respect, what was great about that was I was able to really hone in on what it was I wanted to communicate, what the brand experience should be visually, what the feeling was, like all these other components that were not necessarily translated online that were translated through actual human connection and also through um, some some things through graphics and things of that nature, but really about like how a woman would feel when they come work with us, that I had to rely on that. And that propelled me. And then, you know, the advent of social and the importance of it became very clear much later. And, um, and then I was able obviously to integrate those things and use that as a platform that we're blessed with, thank God now to catapult ourselves into a space that's become, you know, equal footing for everyone. Like pretty much everyone has a voice in social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so amazing how it levels everything out. Like big brands are in the same place as like people who just decide to open an account, you know? So it's really awesome to, to have that as a resource, but that didn't exist when I started. And so, and the one thing that was great about that was there was no one to look to for modeling. There weren't any people you could copy. There wasn't this kind of thing. So you're really forced, um, to be creative and to, to really tap into your intuition and really, you know, um, try things out. Like you were forced in many different ways to make um, more steps and more mistakes, right? I love um, that. Yeah. I, you know, I love Instagram. Everyone knows I love Instagram and everything, but as much as I love social media, you know, I do remember a time when I always say, first of all, I'm glad I went to college and, you know, before Instagram because that would have just. talk about it. <laughs> That would have been a mess for me. But also, I'm just glad that comparison trap didn't exist. But I wonder what it would be like to start a business without having all of these things swirling constantly in our consciousness because we're just consuming it all the time. 
But speaking of that, I know that there are a lot of steps between the idea, obviously, and the full-fledged Mama Glow. And, and actually, I, like I said, I've been following you for a while. So I remember when it was like tender shoots, like walk oh, us yeah, a little you know. bit through mm-hmm. the evolution. Like what were the real first steps you took to start to transition this idea into an actual business and to, to gain your first clients? Absolutely. So for me, what was um, most I think um, important was that there were actually problems to solve, right? So I saw for me like, okay, I really want to streamline an experience where a woman has support, whether it's uh, yoga and movement, you know, the nutrition counseling, and then the birth doula piece. The first pieces that were were um, that were in place were the nutrition and the yoga. And so when Tender Shoot started, that's what I was doing primarily. And then there was also, we did like meal delivery and things like that, which was great, but it was so much work for, um, for the money. Like it was just so much work and there, we don't have, we didn't have at the time, the resources that you have now that make it so easy to do these things like Uber and messengers in the same way. And so it was like a completely different time. And that was something that for what people wanted to pay, I didn't want to, you know, value my time in that way. I needed more. And so I decided to move from that and only take on certain clients in that capacity with the food stuff, but really shift into mostly, um, the, the nutrition counseling piece and the, and the yoga and that I carried for a while. And I remember it became very clear that I was supposed to add on doula service when everybody started asking for it. And I was like, what? Uh, no, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm good. And women were like, well, we really want you. We, we take our entire pregnancy with you. And then we have to switch. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So I just listened, but I was like, I'm not doing it. And so then I went to this ashram, right. And I'm teaching there. And I remember it was my birthday and the, there was this Vedic astrologer and he does this like puja ceremony and he's like, okay, I want you to come over to like my hut or whatever. And I'm going to do this reading. And I was like, okay, cool. Like a little Vedic astrology reading. I'm like, I'm down. That sounds great. And so, um, I go over and I'm like, okay, break it down. Wait, like, tell me what's hut? going on. <laughs> Girl, that's the thing, right? It sounds so shady and unsafe, but it was really, I mean, he was like three feet tall. It was fine, but okay. it was like this little like Yoda like guy. I mean, he was so sweet and so old and so kind and mostly spoke gibberish, but then there was some words that I was able to break through of English. And I remember he was like throwing cowrie shells and all these like sort of divination, um, you know, talisman. And, and I remember at one point he starts shouting out numbers. And so I started writing the numbers down and then he starts saying a couple phrases, but the one that really stuck out, which I remember obviously the most was you're supposed to mother the mother. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I'm kind of doing that. I got this company. This is what they do. He's like, yeah, no, but it's like in a bigger way. It's like way bigger than what you think. And I was like, okay. And so I asked a couple other questions and I kind of tucked that away. And I remember I came home and got back into my regular life. And I was still walking around, like looking for the numbers to pop up in life, you know, like looking everywhere, like, oh, is that a nine or is that a 16 or, you know, whatever. And then I kind of fell back into like my life. And I remember one day I woke up and uh, went on email 
And this is like back when people check their emails maybe once a week. Like it was not something that you did multiple times a day. You wouldn't even be on your computer like that. This is like, I mean, it's such a different world, right? You still check your box for snail mail. It was actually called mail at the time, right? Not snail mail. Um, <laughs> right. So- It was just like, I got some mail. Like nobody was thinking about electronic mail and people called it electronic mail, not email too. So weird. So anyway, I'm dating myself, but I remember opening the electronic mail and there's this message and it's dated May 15 and May 15 was one of the dates that he gave me and I read it and it was the acceptance to a doula fellowship program. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, all right. And I just kind of like nodded to God. Like, I I hear you. Like, I got it. You know, Um, it's very clear. Like, I'm not going to continue to say no. Like, I'm going to now say yes. And so then I said yes at that point. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, done. I'm going to incorporate it. And at that point, it was like very clear once I added that there was a, a shift I had to make also in moving forward where I was doing that work and I mean, it was right away. People started booking. It was like so fast. I was like, wow. And I had lots of experience. Um, I was taking like three to four births a month, like crazy, um, work. And then I remember at one point I had a client who had an experience with a doctor and she said something about like wanting to, you know, transform the experience that women have. And that's where I got the idea of doing the film festival as a a vehicle for educating people about birth and, and this experience. And then from there it was like, okay, boom, let's now do this, uh, this full fledged company and move from Tinder shoots to like mama glow. Cause we had the mama glow film festival. I had the mama glow book coming like all these things. So I kind of like lined it up. And so, um, it was, it was, it was not like I planned it. I got to say, honestly, like so many people I see are really well put together and everything's like, you know, spreadsheets and like (laughs) plans and like, I'm like lucky if I can find napkins with like stuff that I scribbled on it or, you know what I mean? It was just completely different for me. But you Um, know what, you know, what was so good that you did, like you listened, like you listened to your clients who were coming to you for something else. But I love that you say, you know, they kept asking for this and you're like, hmm. and then you were also real with yourself too, in terms of like really analyzing if you want to do that, you didn't just let them determine your fate. So I love that you did that. Can you talk a little bit about what a doula actually does for us non-moms? Yes, absolutely. So a doula is a um, companion who supports you along the birth continuum. So that can be before, during, and after pregnancy. Um, so before, you know, we support people who are on the fertility journey. Um, and so, um, during, uh, you have a birth doula who will carry you through the labor process, who serves as like, kind of like a cheerleader, you know, somebody who will educate you, help to inspire and get you excited. Also, get you in connection and, um, and also trusting your body and somebody who will advocate for you in the birth process. But one of my clients also says it's like having a producer for your birth. So I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) in a sense too, making sure that things feel good and they're like, you want them to be. So yeah, that's really what we do. And then postpartum, you know, people get baby nurses and things like that. And 
a postpartum doula is like a baby nurse for the mom. It's like somebody who really looks after the mother. So we are really here to mother the mother. And that's really the nature of the work. And it's fantastic work because people can do it anywhere they are. You can be anywhere in the world where there's women who are having babies and you can have, you can find work. So it's a tremendous thing to add to your repertoire, no matter what age you are. If you are someone who is very sensitive, a good listener, and someone who is, you know, enthralled with the miracle of life, you know, you can find yourself in this space. And I find it that people who are already in like yoga or massage therapy and things like, you know, along the kind of caring and, and um, caretaking, you know, areas of the health spectrum are people who are really primed for these things and people who like have nothing obviously to do with it. I know people who have gone from corporate America and, you know, moved along a doula path. So you can be from any area, but it's certainly a path that I love to educate women who feel, you know, inclined to do this work to, to jump on board because there's been such a stigma, especially around like, you know, women of color in these spaces around wellness and stuff. And I really want to see more of us in these spaces. And you mentioned transitioning from the meal delivery and some of the aspects of your business that were a time for money calculation. You know, it just wasn't sustainable. Can you talk to us a little bit about the financial aspects of this journey? So it seems like your business would be one of lower overhead. So, you know, better margins, but like, did you ever have financial challenges along the way as you work to build this out as a full scale business? Yeah. From the beginning, I would say the currencies that I deal with are time, you know, the currency, which is uh, relationships and, you know, the currency that is financial, like, you know, just U.S. dollars, cash and money. And so I would say time as a currency is something you have precious little of and that you can't ever get back. So when I factor how I allocate time, I have to look at like, what is that? Number one, I'm doing this in lieu of something else. And what are those other things that I'm like not doing to do this thing that's in front of me? Taking on this client at what cost is that for me now and in the long run? you know, I have a son and I want to spend time with him. So it's like designing my life and my career as well as like my availability around being able to be present for him. So the time is a big factor for me. And, and I consider that a form of currency. The second one, which is relationships for me are about, um, my business revolves around relationships. So that means for me, and the people who work with us and the people who work for us. It is about a feeling of connection and a feeling of security and safety and being in like this bubble of love. I have to create that experience for people so they can tell other people to come to us. So we field hundreds of emails a day, some of which result in, you know, actual business and some of, you know, people just inquiries or whatever, but the people who come through people, they are like, they're coming to confirm that they're working with us. They're not coming to like see, right? So that's because of the quality of service. And so the relationships have to be, and the relationships that I can call in, like if I ever need to, you know, if I ever want to work with particular people, 
there's people who I've worked with who can call in to give recommendation or things like that. So that for me also is, is a form of currency because it also results in affecting our, um, from a cash flow perspective, it, it helps us. And third, actual currency, you know, I didn't start with, with any money. I didn't ask for any money. I started with like nothing and was definitely able to use my resources that I had at the time. I also had more time available to me to uh, work on these things and to explore and to figure things out and to pivot. And so as I was building, there wasn't a need for an office. I had a home office and then I had people who would come there and it was easy to meet with people because I had a huge apartment in Harlem. And so I did that for a while. As far as the doula work is concerned, there you don't need, you go to the clients primarily. So you don't need to keep an office necessarily. Uh, we do keep an office and have had um, an office for like four years downtown. So I, because we just like need to, we have inventory and it's better for meetings and for all kinds of work that we do. And, you know, for me at this point where I live now is I have a, a smaller apartment and because of the fact that it's smaller, there are public spaces here, but it's like, I need to go to my place of work and be immersed in like mama glow. So that is an expense that we take. And then we also have like the overhead of like people working and, you know, contractors and um, administrators and stuff. And so that all comes though with like the growth and, and like the ability to scale to a certain degree. And we're hoping actually to automate some stuff. We have like some new uh, development that we're doing that will allow us to scale and also to automate certain things that don't need to be attended to by people so that we can utilize the brain power and, and the resource of like people's ideas in a better way. Instead of having to now have an entire other group of people dedicated to that, we can actually have less people on the ground, but like actually doing different things that are better use of their time. So we're trying to figure out by looking at how efficient we are while making sure the entire time that we're meeting the needs of the people, because it's very easy to do the things that you feel like you want to do, but like not listen. And I think you said in the beginning, like the listening is really important because it informs the experience that everybody's going to have, including the clients. And so part of the listening is, you know, me hearing from people like not just that work with us, but like in this space of um, maternal health and in the doula and midwifery world that they want things to be easy. They want to be able to click stuff. They don't want to have to like always pick up the phone and, you know, or email back and forth. And so we're finding ways that are really innovative to automate stuff with the touch that people need to feel. And that also costs like the investment in, in the technology. But again, it's like, we have to put that money out to also be able to reap the benefits on the, the back end. And so I think for me, it's been those three areas where I have to always juggle really, right? Like where we're putting the attention. Is it in, is this really worth my time currency or my relationship currency or, you know, or financially, does this make sense? And so those are kind of like the buckets that I use to, to figure out like, you know, if something's going to actually be on my plate or if we're going to entertain it or, or not. 
Hey guys, so as many of you know, I got married in August 2017. And when it came time to make a wedding website, I turned to Squarespace. Squarespace allows you to customize the look and feel of your website with just a couple of clicks. And you have your pick of beautiful templates created by world-class designers, plus free and secure hosting. So we were able to snag our wedding hashtag, Okome Ever After, as our URL through Squarespace, and it made everything come together seamlessly, including RSVPs. Not only that, but it was optimized for mobile, which is how most of our friends access the site. So whatever your next big idea or project might be, you can count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it all to life. Maybe you need a site to sell your products or even create your own wedding website. Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like a pro right from the start. Head over to squarespace.com for your free trial today and enter offer code HUSTLEPRO10 to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Speaking of money now, you are known as a celebrity wellness and lifestyle expert, not just a, li- a wellness and lifestyle expert. How did you go about building that client base and this reputation that you've developed the recognition of people like Oprah. <laughs> yeah. So it's so funny because um, when I was little, I always knew that I was going to meet Oprah from when I was really young. And, but you know, you say things like, Oh, I'm going to be president of the United States. And people are like, mm, you know? <laughs> and so I don't think I've ever had that dream, but I did say like, you know, I'll meet her one day. My mom was like, you're going to meet her. I was like, I am, you know, and I just knew it. And, you know, and then that happened, which was amazing through the Super Soul 100 list, which was a fantastic opportunity to be recognized uh, for the work that I do. But I think that for me, it's always been so when I talked about like the mission before uh, being of service for me, the, the service that I would like to bring to the world is really about like elevating and supporting and advancing women along this experience of the birth continuum, but also birthing their best selves. Right. And part of that means that I have to reach more people and not necessarily through me, but through the experience that women have with me, use that as an opportunity to shift culture, cultural thinking, the things that people have as ideas, you know, about women and our bodies, the in transform women's ideas about the wisdom of the body, like all these things are really important. And so for me, like working with a celebrity is an opportunity to do that, is an opportunity to shift the way people perceive birth and a way to shift the way that particular person experiences that and how they talk about it. Because as you know, like everything that happens among celebrities then trickles down and becomes a part of popular culture. So that to me was a really great way to transform like the way that we engage with our bodies and and the way that people think about um, women in this incredible process. And it's worked, you know, it's been great to work with people who've had positive experiences and have voiced them publicly or who have, you know, um, publicly acknowledged the work or who've been able to share it in some way. And then also with their friends and their friends, friends, and, and that changes, that creates a wave. And so as we've seen a rise of doulas, right, 
which is no coincidence, it's because like more celebrities are using them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now it's like, oh yeah, I want one because this person had it, or I want to do what that person did. That is how that happens, right? It's like people get this immersion through culture. So I was grateful for that because I think that it's, for me, I see all women the same. So it doesn't matter if you sold, you know, a hundred million albums or if you, you know, are a world champion, like, you know, whatever it's like, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, what happens when you're with the person at their most powerful and their most vulnerable in that moment, they see you as family and you see them as someone you want to protect and you cross this threshold together and you're like, you're on the other side of it. It's like, I'm witnessing them transform into mothers. Right. So that is a universal experience that happens no matter what your financial bracket is, no matter what your accolades are, no matter how many letters you have behind your name. And so for me, it's about, um, about bringing humanity into the birth room and, and making everyone feel that same quality of care, no matter you know, what tax bracket they're in. Um, it does help obviously to work with people who have the money that they can spend and that aren't, you know, um, shy or whatever about it, or aren't like, um, you know, cause a lot of people come that don't necessarily understand the value of the time again. Right. And so if I'm, for instance, if I'm in a birth, that's like, say a few hours, like sometimes I have one that's like, the mom is, you know, having a really rapid birth. And so maybe, you know, I'm with her for five hours and the baby's born, right? That that's possible. That happens a lot. But then there's some that like, I could be 48 or 72 hours with someone, right? Because of how it goes down. And so that 72 hours with somebody at the same rate, like we, does we change things because of that? Because sometimes you're you're not like able to step away because of how the experience is. And nobody's thinking about like what that does to someone to be 72 hours or whatever it is, and then go back to their life that, that didn't stop. Right. And they had to move everything in their life to be there for those three days with that particular person. Right. Cause you can't predict when, how you do you cannot. plan for that? Yeah. You cannot. Let me just tell you, you cannot. <laughs> Okay. And so this is a thing that, you know, we have to help people understand. And so, so I'm grateful when there's people who are like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm comfortable with, with whatever the fee is. Cause I'm excited about this process and I really need the support and you come highly recommended. Right. But for people who don't have the experience or the connection, like I, you know, part of our work too. And for me is to, um, advocate for the doulas who don't have the courage and the self-worth to stand up for, to ask for what they know they deserve, because you know how valuable your time is and people won't actually account for their time. And that's an issue that is happening in the wellness space and particularly in the self, you know, the, the more like, um, caregiving aspects of the wellness space, like massage and yoga and doula, people don't ask for what they deserve. So, so that's really for me, um, you know, to empower the next generation of 
of um, doulas and, and, and people in this space with us so that they can, so it's not just a handful of people that are asking for the money they deserve, but everybody across the board does. And, um, but also letting the people who are in these positions of um, celebrity, of influence, um, let them pay what they're supposed to pay, you know? And I think that sometimes people get like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I want them to um, work with me. So I'm going to do it for like, uh, I guess the, um, the referrals, or I'm going to do it for the mention or whatever it is. And I'm like, um, you cannot pay your rent off of somebody just like, saying that you were their doula, like you need to get paid, you know? So I think we got to stop looking at celebrity in this way of like, you know, ooh, ah, and recognize that these are people too that just make more money and they're just seen more. And, but they want the experience of that you would give everybody else. Um, It might, they might want obviously more elevation and like special things and more of your time, but they want to be treated like you're not putting them on this pedestal, like you're too afraid and you're yesing them. They want to be treated well, but they also need to know the standard of what things cost and not be discounted because you want to be in favor with these people. You have to charge what you're worth. And so that's another thing that for me was really important because people always say, Oh, like give a free this or do that or do. And I'm like, uh, girl, (laughs) like this is work. You know, I cannot do this stuff for, for free. And so I really want people to get that through their heads around like, um, you know, certain things like you can do like, Oh, like you can send a gift basket or you can do like certain things that you want to ingratiate yourself. That's fine. But, you know, thinking about the fact that a lot of the time, you know, people don't convert, you know, like you offer a service and they don't come back for a second and then they don't, and then nothing comes of it. It's like, you should have gotten paid. So that's a big thing too. And I've, I mean, I have repeat clients for years that I deliver all their babies or I do all their yoga or whatever it is. Right. And, um, but I charge them. (laughs) Yeah. Get paid, get paid what you're worth. Get paid. Yeah. Like find a way to give, like I, I gift in other ways. So Mm -hmm. one way that I think is really important to, to think about is like the relationships that you have. I don't even know if I answered the question. I guess the question was more about like how I did that. So what I would say is like people started coming to me as a result of like the quality of service I was delivering. And what happens, um, then is like people spread your name. Right. And so that's what happened for me. And I also live in like a big city and then like everybody's like connected. And so it kind of is like a little bit easier from where I am now. Cause people have asked me stuff like that. And I'm like, where are you located? And they're like, Oh, I'm in like, you know, this area of Missouri. I'm like, girl, I don't even know who even lives in Missouri, <laughs> LA or whatever, if you want to do Hollywood, you know? So, um, yeah. So if that's really your thing, like I really want to work with celebrity, then there are places that you want to be so you can do that. Right. Or if you want to say, if you have a business that's like really seasonally driven, um, then you want to be in the places where the, where the, nexus is for what you do and you want to put your plant your butt there you know what i mean so that you can actually benefit um so for me like new york is perfect la is perfect miami's perfect like these places are i can work and i can um also have people working now um 
The other piece I would say is what I also do, and I think this is important for you to think about the relationships you have with brands or with companies or say you have your own lotion or whatever. So you make, you say you make lotion on the side and you're doing doula work or you're doing massage work, whatever, like that is an opportunity for you to like introduce that product to these clients. Right. And so I would work with brands and I would introduce like, you know, products that I would use during the yoga session or whatever it is. And they're like, Oh, what's that? I love it. I can get you some. And then brands would give me stuff to give to these different celebrities. At a certain point I was like, I'm done doing that. Let me formulate my own. So we formulated and it took us like a year and we have, um, five SKUs of skincare for women. Um, but it's like for all women, especially pregnant. But, um, so we have that now coming for, for Christmas, but that was also something that was a, a value. So I could always bring gifts because people want to give something to a particular person. So there's other ways for you to show, you know what I mean? Like that you care about them or that you can extend yourself without having to spend you know, give a discount. So right. I can send strollers to people. Like I can do all these things and I do, but I don't discount service with service. You don't get the time back, which is a resource, which is currency. And you don't get the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can pay it forward and whatever. But at the same time, it's like, if you get in a habit of doing that, mm-hmm. you lose. So you have right. to think about other ways that you can you know, align yourself and, and that you can give that does not result in you discounting right. or doing for free. Yeah. Because there might be resentment there on the end too. Like I've uh-huh. had, I've had someone who offered me a discount say, you know, well, I gave you a discount and I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't one. I didn't ask for the I discount. For that. Right. And two, did that mean I get less service? Like, so you have to know as a business owner what you want to charge and, and charge that. That's right. So I really want to learn more about one of the things that's most inspiring about you. And that is your commitment to living a healthy and well life. So how do you practice self-care given that you're a busy entrepreneur, a mother on the go? How do you continue to incorporate these practices? Yes. Well, I wrote a whole book about it called Own Your Glow, which is coming out. So I'm so excited to share just like a teeny bit about that. I am so excited for this. I'm so excited too. Yay! I'm so excited. It finally got here and I was able to like hold it in person. You know, for me, it's like for me to do anything that I do that everybody sees and is like, oh my God, that's so great. I'm like, uh, it was only possible because of self-care. So everything for me is like the the personal practice is like the pathway to empowerment, you know, like my self care is like the lifeline. So it's my meditation, my journaling or doodling, my prayer, my boundary setting, my baths, my walks outside, my, you know, sitting under a tree in central park, whatever that is, you know, my time with girlfriends, washing my hair and just like a lathering in the oils that for me saves me. So I could have a very long day and then be like, Oh, I'm going in the bath. Nobody bothers me because I've already developed this practice that everybody knows like, Oh, the phone is off and okay, cool. She's in there. So it's like my family understands now. 
And, um, and, and also my son has his own practice. He's, I mean, he's like a professional lounger. He just like comes home, takes off his clothes, puts on a bathroom, takes a long bath. I mean, he's like, I'm like, Oh my God, you do better than me. You do way better than me. You have like five bathrobes. And, um, but yeah, it's for me, it's, it's been like the one way also to like shut off my brain and then allow moments of inspiration to come through because I've stopped looking at a screen or I stopped, you know, writing or stopped working, whatever it was. Right. And so, um, also I feel like it's an opportunity for us to hit control, all delete and like reboot ourselves. So that's really, it's been a commitment of mine to just give myself that time and not be, um, just, I I don't consider it selfishness. I know people talk about like selfishness and, you know, self-care Sunday and all this. It's like a, a little bit of a fad, but for me, I see like, the times that we live in, like to live through these times and to mother, you know, an African-American child who is a boy who is 14 and taller than me in these times to work with women whose rights are being stripped away in this time to work in an economy and in an industry that doesn't really acknowledge the work and tenacity of women of color really in this time, like all of that, right. It's like almost an act of resistance to take care of yourself because to move through what, what we have to move through just to like get through the day, it takes so much energy out of you, especially if you live in a city. Right. So for me, it's like, I have to do it. It's not even like, Oh, let me set aside this time and do a facial. It's like, no, I have to take the time to commune with myself, to come home to myself. So, um, I see it as like integral also for all of our well-being, And as a collective, we have to reclaim it because it was something that we actually brought to culture. We brought this in, you know, this is not like something that was invented on Instagram. And this was something that we had been doing for thousands of years and that we also have been doing through the biggest times of resistance and of challenge and of oppression. So I see it as, as like our pathway to empowerment, but also it's like a, it's like a gesture to freedom, like to yourself, like to, to like unhinge and unchain and unshackle and allow yourself to feel the freedom of who it is to be you and, and, and commune with you. So, um, so that is my, um, that is my practice for me. It's just like really critical. I, all right. (laughs) We're actually going to talk a little bit more about self-care in the lightning round. So the lightning round is where you answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All righty. Number one. What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I would say Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu, D-U-F-U, Drop the Ball. Okay. Is that a book? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's a book. I'm like, I'm like so focused on making sure it's like short. Um, Yes. I know. It's a book and it is um, a book that came out earlier in the year. And it's just about achieving more by doing less. Number two, what's the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? So what about podcast episode? 
Oh, podcast. Um, hmm. Okay, so to be honest, I mostly listen to little ratchet podcasts. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I true, true confessions. <laughs> I you know, because it's like I just sometimes need to laugh and not need to learn on the go. But um I do have a ratchet one that I find to be um, really interesting, which is the read. I think they do a great job. And, and here's why I'll say about them in terms of business is that, and this is why, and I know it's not short and sweet, but they are two people who came from Twitter, who met on Twitter, connected, were really boot, like really creating a lot of content, boosted their followings through all the content creation, came together have been, I think, doing maybe for three or four years, a podcast that is just them being themselves and talking about popular culture and just being funny and have made a successful business for themselves out of being themselves. And so when we think about like, um, you know, so in a sense, it's like, it's a really great thing because because of them, a lot of different spinoffs of similar types of podcasts have come because of the way that they were able to break a mold and, you know, create a whole nother area of a space, I guess, for people. So in that sense, I guess the reason is because uh, on business, I guess would say like, it always pays to be yourself. So no matter what it is you do, like, you know, it always pays to be yourself because look at these people who are thriving, you know, using social as a way to garner attention, being themselves. Number three, what is a daily practice that you use to start your day on the right note and just increase your workflow throughout your day? Okay, this is an easy one. So when I wake up, I do um, this practice called meditation, which is me lying in bed meditating. I start to awaken my body that way. I awaken my mind that way. And I also count my blessings that way. And then um, I do a little bit of like vocal warming up and stuff like that because I wake up with a voice that sounds like crazy. Like I almost <laughs> don't have a voice when I wake up. And so I do vocal warming and stuff. And I start to move my body from there. Like I'll sit on the floor and do some like yoga and movement. But, you know, uh, the meditation for me is like a really great way to rise up for your day. And I have a little guided meditation album coming out in April next year because that's how much I like it. Number four, if we can all incorporate just one self-care habit into our lives, what should it be and why? Um, I would say right now in the times we live, um, phone fasting would be the most important and that just means to shut off all electronic devices, particularly your phone, because that's the one we live by and that's the one that's the most distracting and the most um, consuming. So, you know, turn off your phone um, for a whole day if you can. Maybe it's like a Sunday or something like that. Otherwise, uh, decide on a period during the day where the phone is off, meaning you're not checking social, you're not doing anything, you're not talking, you're not texting, you're just like actually living on planet earth in present um, and see how that works out. Number five, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Okay. So I think it's really interesting, this idea of side hustling. And I think it's interesting because for a few reasons, we live in a time where women are 
I mean, we're like on the rise in so many areas, but we still have a fear, an underlying fear of lack of security. And that could be financial, that could be, you know, romantic, that whatever it is, we always have some sort of in the back of our mind, like, what if it doesn't work out or what if it goes away or what if I don't have what I need? This is a basic biological need to feel well-resourced and to feel safety and security. And our um, well-being depends on us feeling like we have what we need. So I think that for people who are who are doing their day job and on the side doing their other job, that is smart. Don't let people think or tell you like, oh girl, you should just take the leap and whatever. Yes, there is a time and place for that, but it is not always like everybody doesn't have the same time and place to take that leap. Like everybody's leaping point and their leaping trajectory is different. And so you can't, like some people can just be like, I'm out and they can curse somebody out and walk out the door and start their new thing or go on a eat, pray, love. And, you know, everybody's different. Some people, they have to stay steady. Like I have a friend, she is in a job that she's been in for 16 years. She's ready to go. It's become, and I've been pushing her and pushing her for like four years, but in a way where I knew that she's getting to a point where she's going to leave and it's, and it's this year and then we're so clear on it, but she has to do certain things first before she takes that leap. And she's already on the side doing the hustle and getting it where it needs to be so that she can actually step right into it. So you want to make sure that as you're moving, that whatever it is that you're moving towards is in alignment. Like that you actually have kicked it off the ground. You know what I mean? Like, not just like, oh, this is in my mind that I want to do this. I'm ready to leave this thing. No, like work on it in tandem, like take time on the weekend, like do what I was doing when I was, you know, with my new son, like I was, he was sleeping. I was doing my dreaming. I was doing all the stuff that I meant to, that I was supposed to be focused on. I was working on that while he was small. So think about like, how can I allocate time to really focus on this thing and really give it the same amount of time that I give to this person that I work for, you know, on my nine to five, how can I bring that same level of focus and attention and, you know, discipline and readiness to that? Because there can be days where you're super dog tired and you come home and you don't want to open your computer and work on some emails or some charts or some, you don't want to do it, or you don't want to work on your business plan, but guess what? Like each day that you decide that you're not going to do it is like another day that passed that the fervor gets a like that it like doesn't die, but it's like a, it's like days that you step away from something. It takes that much more energy to go mm-hmm. back to it when you, when you decide to like focus. And I can say that from writing the book, which took forever to write and it came, it's coming at the time that it needs to come. But I have to tell you that the days that I wrote consecutively, it, it was so fluid. And then when I would take a long, long break, the fear of sitting back down was there. Like there was a fear of sitting back down to write. And then I had to wait until I felt compelled to write. And then I would write again. And so that, and that means that something takes a lot longer than it necessarily has to, because you weren't, you know, allowing yourself the time that it takes for you to be creative and be in the flow. So dedicate that time, listen to your own intuition, listen to those whispers and to that that voice that's telling you, you know, where you need to go and also have like a, um, you know, 
a group of like, um, you know, your vision doulas, I call them like these people who really hold your vision high, who see you and say, yes, or like, what can I do? Or let me come over and help, like, you know, seal some of these envelopes or whatever it is that you need help with, like that these people are here to listen, to shine light, to give advice, to lift you and support you. And as you bounce ideas, you know, ask questions and help you to get to that space where you feel more confident, right? Like, have this in your corner as you grow, because these things are so key as you step out into an area that's unfamiliar, especially if you're so used to like the frequency and comfort of having like a check hit your account every Friday or every other Friday. Like when that doesn't happen, and you're waiting for somebody to come or you're waiting for the contract or you're waiting for the, you know, to get to hear back on the proposal and all these, whatever it is, right. Or you're waiting for the new business to kick in. It's like your fear sets in and that in, in that little instinct of the security of what if it doesn't work? What if I don't have enough? What, right. All of that comes to surface. And then when that comes to surface, you doubt yourself and you doubt if you can do it and you don't think you're successful or you're going to be. But the problem, the thing there is that that's instinctual fear that's designed to protect you, to bring you to safety, but it's not rational, right? So we have to get, we have to get around like, um, and get comfortable with the risk riskiness of taking the leap into a new business. So we have to prepare ourselves also for the times where, you know, we don't know where um, the, the certainty is, the certainty lies. So you can have, you know, some like right now where the paycheck is hitting on a Friday and then sometimes you don't know where the next money's coming from, but you have to have faith in what it is that you're doing and know that um, there are going to be ant days and there are going to be grasshopper days. And some days you're eating like, you know, oatmeal for dinner and other days you're going to be treating everybody to dinner. So just stick with it and, um, and just don't give up. I mean, I think that for me, I can only say that I kept to myself for a lot of it because I didn't feel like, um, you know, there were anybody around me that could understand because it was, it was a, um, a really new concept, what I was doing at the time. But then slowly by slowly, I started to meet more people. And we now live in a time where there's no excuse because there's so many people who are doing things that might be similar to you, or there's so many people who might have resources that could be useful to you. And you can find these people with like the click of your finger. So there's no excuse for not finding the right help or the right resources. And the other piece would be with the vision doulas, also find some people that can serve as mentors and whether whatever level of mentorship that is, that, that works for you, um, find some people that can really be a model, an advocate and a cheerleader for you, um, as you take this journey. And I talk a lot about, um, mentorship, um, in the latter part of my book and how to find one and also how to be one. The other piece is like, be that for somebody. Like once you've gotten to a place where you feel like you have something that you can share, you don't have to be all the way there. You can just be along the way. You have something that you can uniquely give as well. And so figure out how you can also give back. Thank you for that. So Latham, what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? Um, I would say the best way is um, on Instagram because I do go there pretty frequently and I'm just Glow Maven, G-L-O-M. 
W-M-A-V-E-N. Um, mamaglow.com is our site and that's M-A-M-A-G-L-O-W.com. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty much on, on social. I'm good. I'm, I'm, um, but Instagram is better than like Twitter because I feel like I answer DMS and stuff. So, so go there. Otherwise you can just email at info at mamaglow.com, but hopefully you guys check out the book and you can see that at, um, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble, it's at every bookseller. But if you want to learn more about the book, there is a webpage that tells you everything and that's own your glow, the book.com. And that would be tremendous to like get all of you to just check out what I'm doing there, see the book, see like all the, um, attention it's gotten and hopefully to help it move forward. Absolutely. And, I am going to link to that in the show notes, of course, so you guys can go right to it. So thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today. Thank you. You're so lovely. Oh, you are so lovely. It's been a pleasure. So thank you. And there you have it, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.